WrestleMania is sneaking up. AEW has surprise after surprise. Welcome to Woo Nation Uncensored. Let's bring on the man who always has a surprise up his sleeve. It's the 16-time world champion, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Nate, what you got for us today? Marco, name it. All kinds of stuff. <laughs> but I can assure you, no one's in my head. <laughs> I I never thought for a minute somebody was. <laughs> it's amazing. Pat yourself on the back. You're not in my head. You got to be really good to be in my head. <laughs> well, I know what you're talking about. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Okay. And can't wait. But uh, AEW promised a big surprise for Wednesday. There was all kinds of hype, and it turned out to be Keith Lee who had been let go by WWE. What's your take on Keith Lee? I like him personally. I I don't, I don't know. You know, Mark, I used to be able to tell you because I was there more often. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I don't think they ever could figure out. My take is they could never figure out how, how, what to do with his character. They, they came out of the gate strong with him. And, um, you know, I actually think they went back and forth a couple of times trying to work things out with him. I don't know what, uh, what happened, but, um, um, not taking anything away from, from, uh, from Keith Lee, but a big surprise to me would have been Bray Wyatt. Yeah, or or even bigger than that. That that's my feeling. They had a lot of hype all week long on Twitter. Every avenue AEW uses. Yeah, but here's turn- the deal: they 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 got a hell of a rating. <laughs> they got a hell of a rating wins tonight. Yeah, but but the catch twenty two nature could be, you know, one point one plus million people turned on to see a big surprise. What if they didn't consider that to be a big surprise? And it well, wasn't a great show. No, I'm just saying to you, what 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 if what, what well here wait, the point I'm making is Raw got a 1.3. Right. So there the goal is to try and catch Raw and assume is what the goal what Tony's uh goal is. So for whatever it, it clicked and I I hope for them that they can keep it going. And I hope for the wrestling fans that they see and look and try to understand how hard it is to get over in this business. It's incredible. I mean, you know, it's going to take Keith years as it does anybody to get over. I thought Bray Wyatt was over. Some people didn't like his character. I personally did because he can work aside from being the character that he's been. Well, I like the original Bray Wyatt character a lot with the Wyatt family. I didn't like the the Fiend. I thought that uh, was too cartoony, and I thought it damaged pretty much anybody it came in contact with, except for Randy Orton, who, as we have discussed many times, is basically foolproof. But I agree, Bray Wyatt would have been a bigger surprise. But you talk about how it's going to take a lot of hard work and years for Keith Lee to truly get over, and that applies to everybody. But he's 37. If he's any good, how has he slipped through the cracks until he's 37? I didn't realize he was 37. Well, it just makes the task even tougher. Because in this in this day and age, you're judged every day by your age, your weight, your height, the number of people you've wrestled. <laughs> Doesn't matter how good a footballer it was at Texas AM. Now it's just how he's perceived by the audience. For I, me, for me personally, he's a respectful, nice kid. I will say one thing I like about AEW bringing in Keith Lee is he's big. 
He's not your typical AEW guy. AEW has the has the mid-level guys. It's almost like a cruiserweight promotion in many respects. But he is a big guy, and he could move in WWE. But I got to tell you, he looked bigger uh, and not in a good way than he was in WWE. Yeah, well, I, I actually thought he was really good at NXT. Right. So, um, and then uh, sometimes uh, the difference between NXT and and the big dance is, you know, is it's the way it's orchestrated but basically you you're handing yourself to the writers and creative and saying here i am i'm talented but i know that i'm not gonna have to do things the way you want me to unless i have a better idea now i i will say his debut was impressive because they had him in there with isaiah cassidy from private party yeah and, and later mark quinn got involved also from private party and those guys bumped like a million bucks for exactly. him. i thought i thought they created all the movement in the match but but who cares as long as the job gets done well exactly and they they did it the right way with him they let him beat some guys up you know without doing him any damage so i you know that that could be you know I, not that i you think you have to squash everybody, but that was a good start for him. He didn't need, need to be bumping around for guys half his size. Uh, the only complaint I have is those two guys are AEW originals, and Keith Lee came in as a WWE reject. I, I don't use that term pejoratively, but that's what he is. He got fired, and, you know, he squashed him. I mean, I think AEW is getting further away from the original AEW all the time, and that's for better or for worse. Well, Mark, are those two guys that he beat drawing money? No. Or are the AEW originals? Uh, well, you can be both. I'm not. I don't think they're drawing money. No, I'm not sure Keith Lee, Lee is going to either. I'm just talking about my personal vision of the promotion when it started. What I liked most was it was a lot of guys who hadn't been on TV that I hadn't seen, and they're getting further away from that now. They don't have to listen to me, and obviously they're not. Nor do they have to listen to me either. <laughs> You and I are getting paid to talk about what we think. And, uh, you know, because neither one of us are directly involved with either company. It, you know, I just, people need to understand. You, you know, you look at social media and Ric Flair buried SmackDown star. Ric Flair gave his opinion. He didn't bury anybody. If you're not going to give your opinion, if you're not related to somebody, I mean, you give your opinion on everything we do in life. But in wrestling, he buries them. Wow. He's in, uh, Becky's in his head. <laughs> Come on. Jesus. Well, well, <laughs> I mean, uh, read the headlines. <laughs> well, and part of it, part hey, of it. our podcast, we talk intelligently about football. We talk about hockey. We do everything, right? But only the rest of the business. Oh, Ric Flair buried. Becky's in his head. <laughs> Becky tweets out. Wow. <laughs> so you alluded to this a bit earlier. Uh, it's been said that somebody's in your head. What about that? Well, <laughs> I once again, you and I are getting paid and enjoying critiquing the show, right? So just because I didn't like what happened, or because I didn't think it was good, right? I just quoted exactly what was said from Becky. Then I hear somebody, everybody, because I don't look at it, someone would, hey, you see this, see this, see this? And I read this, I'm going, and then people's comments are, uh, she's in your head. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
I, 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 the only person that's ever been in my head with any control over me at all has been sick man. <laughs> in my head, yeah, I've been down on my luck a few times, right? But please don't ever pat yourself on the back thinking you're in my head after the, after the career I've had. <laughs> oh no question and that's you and everybody not not just her but but uh it's crazy it's crazy i'm gonna tell you something when when i first met becky i treated her like my own daughter she knows that and i know it i well, treated her like my own daughter she and ashley were best friends they traveled together if if you're a friend of ashley's you know their lifestyle if, because if they're a friend of ashley's they're a friend of mine well, and, I also, and, I, and I have nothing but respect for all the women, and they know it. Well, and, so. I, and, I, and I also got to say, Rick, and this is me saying it, not you. So if the internet goes crazy, it was Madden that said it, not the Nature Boy. But her, it's not the same for her since she's not the man anymore. It just isn't. That, that I'm, not really, com- I'm not even going to comment on that, Mark, because that's feeding fuel. Yeah, but but I can, and it's that's what I see. And it and it leads me to think that there was a big old trickle down from you to her for her having used that. That then maybe we even knew until after the fact. Now, uh, okay, we said that that applies in, in in my business too with sports talk. It applies everywhere, of course. But, but but it's because what you say means more. I mean, you're Ric Flair. You're the 16 time world champion. But uh, but uh, you're, but you're right. You're, I know I appreciate you saying that, but. <laughs> They shouldn't take offense to me just saying what I think. But no, nobody, <laughs> we all told each other what we thought in the 80s. We all told each other what we thought in the 90s. Now they look to the internet to see what everybody thinks. So, well, really, they, so people really don't care what I think. It's what the internet thinks, which well, is well, that, sad. That's right. And, and if, you don't sad, lo- Mark. if you don't love somebody, it's assumed that you hate them. For example, yeah. when I talked about Keith Lee's debut on Twitter, I wasn't crazy about it, but that doesn't mean I think he sucks. That doesn't mean I don't think he has a place in wrestling. It means I just didn't think he was worthy of the hype that led up to his quote unquote surprise. And Man, Cody, like that, yeah, that, that's what you're getting paid to do, right? Yeah, right. You, you don't, nobody has to be kissing everybody's ass here, but it, nobody should be enemies over these comments. You know, if, if someone respects me, uh, if they don't, you know, then there you don't. Hey. In the wrestling business, if I want to say something, live right here because it's coming from God. There you go. That's what I want to hear. That's Ric Flair. Now, Cody Rhodes said when AEW there's, started. There's two, there's two guys, me and Vince. There you go. <laughs> I agree. A wrestling uh, God. <laughs> wait, I thought that was JBL. No, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Cody Rhodes, when AEW started, said that they weren't going to sign every ex-WWE guy that came down the pike. Aren't they kind of doing that lately? I guess. You know, Mark, you you follow it closer than I do. I just basically watch the show so I can report on it accurately and, you know, give my thoughts and, uh, you know, not to change the subject, but talking about AEW. So I'm watching the show, and I thought the the kids from uh, Charlotte – FDR. FD, FDR. They were great. They're always yeah, great. Yeah, they gave those guys a hell of a match. That didn't mean that Punk and and uh, John, who I liked very much, John especially, 
It can't work. I said they gave them a great match. They made them look great. That's right. what you do. If and you're good at what you do, you make other people look better. And FTR better than that than anybody, I think. I, them and the Usos. I, I'm, I'm, I'll, the Usos, I guess, I guess I'm going back to the fact they've had some great matches. I, I, I'll still remember those. If I remember them now, then they had to be good. Now, AEW's main creative strategy seems to be new guys every week, surprise after surprise. Does that wear out at all? Uh, and I'm asking because I don't know. I mean, do people get numb to surprise when there's one every week? Um, I don't know. I, if, if, as a fan, I, I want to see the guys I like every week. I don't want to see somebody new. I, I mean, I, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. They're, 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 on that show, I mean, obviously Jericho's got a big fan base. Punk's got a big fan base. Sting's got a big fan base. I, I would keep those guys on TV on a pretty regular rotation, which they have been lately. Uh, F, um, F, F, M, MJF's got a big fan base. I mean, they have some really cool characters and some really good wrestlers on the show. So, I don't know. By booking it, I keep them all on. As opposed to... Uh, and maybe one new guy once a month. That would be my take on it. Yeah, that's that's approximately my take as well. Now, they did have a cameo appearance by Jay White, Switchblade, who's a big player in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's the current leader of the Bullet Club faction. And with all due respect to Jay White, because I think he's a hell of a worker and a hell of a talent, I'm not sure how many people watching American TV know who he is. I, I didn't. But that doesn't mean anything because I don't pay attention to the, the Japan stuff like I used to. I think if you're going to debut a guy from Japan who has limited exposure here in the U.S., I think you got to have him in a match. I think you got to show what he is right away. I think there's too many people out there wondering. Or maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's how you follow up. I don't know. Well, that's, that's the, the, the main thought. If the guy's got a great interview, let him talk for a couple of weeks. That's what gets you interested. A lot of guys can perform in the ring. But it's the buildup that, 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 that. This is still a very important part of our industry. Getting the people to want you to get in the ring and watch you. Now, uh, who's the biggest surprise debut you've ever seen? In, in all your years of, of working, who, who showed up that really uh, popped the crowd and had impact right away and in the long term as well. Is there any off, wonder? Off, off the top of my head, AJ Styles when he came out. In in WWE. Yeah. He made he blew the roof off. Which a, gave which gave rel which gave a lot of relevancy to all the other organizations he'd been with because he blew the roof off. And and he delivered more than delivered. What about Jericho back in ninety nine? That was a pretty big pop as well. At at WWE. Yep. Yeah, I think so too. I, I don't remember that well. I mean, back back then I was involved in it, so I didn't pay that big attention to it. But yeah, I'm sure Chris got a big pop. Yeah, he had the Y2J Canton clock. They did a yeah, good job yeah. building well, it I up. Remember all, I remember all the stuff he did, but I just I don't remember his first night out. But I'm sure. Now the last match on AEW's show was a Texas Death Match between Lance Archer and Hangman Page, and it was a bloodbath. And I thought it was good. But, but how do you feel about Hangman Page and the world title being in a match like that and also about a Texas death match just springing up out of nowhere? There was no issue with Lance Archer and and uh, and Hangman Page. To my knowledge, they'd not even had a match before, and they get plopped right into a Texas death match. 
Um, well, it got a rating. So I can't, I'd be crazy if I said it was no good. I, I like blood. I like all that. Oh, no, and no, no. No, no, no. And, I like it. And both those guys can work. See, but I, I, Mark, you can't, they, they do stuff on TV and WWE where they make things happen in one segment. At least they, no, talk, no at least they talked about it for the whole show. <laughs> no, no, I agree. And don't, don't misconstrue. I have no problem with the blood. I just always saw Texas Deathmatch as a blow-off to a series of matches. Well, we all do that. That used to be the formula, but it's not anymore. Please. The formula changes each week. Yeah, it really does. And uh, But if you're a fan, if I'm a fan, I don't mind it. But I like the guys. I don't care what they do. As long as they're on TV and they're kicking ass. I love it. The other thing I wasn't crazy about was... Uh, Hangman bumped for Jake Roberts. He took a short-armed clothesline. Uh, I love Jake. He executed very effectively, but I, I don't know. Is he is he too old for the world champ to bump for? I'll answer that by saying, was, Har was Harley Race too old for me to beat? Well, Harley wasn't Jake's age. That's the point. It's all work. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It, 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 and the crowd blew on it, right? Yep. Jake, Jake, Jake's over. He always has been. So it, it's not anymore, Mark, what you and I unfortunately think is right or wrong. It's what gets the crowd going. And Jake hit him with that short, that small, that short arm or that short clothesline. And when a guy's all tore up like that, why not bump for him? Nate, I got to tell you, I've learned on Twitter over the past few years that I am wrong about just about everything. Well, so am I, apparently. So nobody should feel bad about about the only time so. I, only time I write is when I play some of my own stuff. <laughs> Least of all the the greatest wrestler ever. Now, as you mentioned, Raw did a, a one three, and uh, as we said, AEW Dynamite had 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 one point one million viewers. Uh, I'm not sure I see that as a rivalry or a goal. I would if they were on at the same time, but but how come when Raw does a one point three, it's a failure? And AEW has 1.1 million viewers. It's perceived as a success. Because Raw is a huge, huge, huge 30-plus year every Monday night annual event that I bet I haven't missed 10 episodes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. It's just... I mean, you, you and I have loved Raw. I loved Raw when I was in WCW. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've watched Raw since day one. I know you yeah, have too. I have too. I was on the first show. Remember, I put Henny, uh, first show, I, uh, Santana put me over, second show, a Raw. Um, I lost to lose or leave town to Kurt. I was on the first two episodes. And then you left town, which, as we've discussed, is a loser. Lo loser had to leave town. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I was told by Ole Anderson, what good are you to me now? I said, I don't know. I'd been on the most popular TV show in the world while you've been down here getting a 0 0.6 rating. <laughs> now, now uh, the only thing about AEW is, you know, they went over a million, and as you said, that's that's a heck of a number. But th to me, they need to establish consistency. Mm -hmm. You know, they need to get that number every week and then build on that. No, Not go back down to nine point uh, 990,000 next time. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, consistency that, that, is the key, That's right? what I'm saying. I, I, I wish for them they could just keep it. And they have the talent to do it. It's just, you know, how they're booked and what's going on. But, I mean, I, I still, um, you know, I watch it from a different club. 
have a place I go to. But I'll, every they have no problem turning it on for me, and, and everybody that watches it with me loves it. So I, you know, and some of them don't ever watch wrestling, but they end up watching it and enjoying it. But hasn't SmackDown become their primary show? Well, I think it's a better show myself right now. Yeah, but yep, I think there's two reasons. Well, the main two reasons are are, are Roman and uh, Charlotte. But I mean, yep. Yeah, put Sasha in the same mix, put Brock in there. I mean, I know Brock is on most shows, but um, it's two hours. It's Yeah, I don't know. Fox is really coming on strong. I think it's a great show. And it's worth noting that Fox, uh, t- to what I've been told, Rick, specifically asked for Charlotte to be on SmackDown. In fact, got yeah. a little huffy about it. I believe the same with Roman Reigns. Isn't that what you've heard? I, I have heard that, yes. Um I also really enjoy your buddy doing the commentary. Um, Pat McAfee is is awesome on SmackDown. Yeah, I think so too. I Pat think McAfee brings a lot to the show, and he's a real athlete, legitimately, and that even leans more towards uh, his commentary. Now, when you say a real athlete, you know he's a punter, right? Yeah, <laughs> but I also saw him have a world class match on NXT with one week of practice, so he's an athlete. Oh, no, no question. That's just always been my my tweak for Pat because I've known him since he was a yeah. high school athlete that he's only a punter, but he's obviously so much more than that. I couldn't believe the match they had on NXT. I went, what the hell? Well, and the energy he brings with his commentary. Yeah, it's people, great. He comes, out of, he comes out of his chair and, ah, I mean, it, and he has that energy on his podcast. And, and some people think that he yells too much and goes over the top too much. I'm not sure you can do that in professional wrestling. <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, hey, Mark, Mark, key things. That's what a woman says. Some people, they say, they. Who's they, honey? Who's they? They said you were doing this. Who's they? <laughs> who's they that said he yells too much? The me, uh, Zarks. <laughs> well, I, I, I've been told I yell too much on this show, but I think it works okay. Well, I think it works fine. <laughs> Mark Madden here for Woo Nation Uncensored, and hey, we're all adults. And some of us use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Woo C Nicotine is a company that was created to help nicotine users find a cleaner option and feel better about the ways they consume nicotine. Their latest product is Slim Nicotine Pouches, which contain pure synthetic nicotine and provide the same satisfaction that nicotine users expect without any tobacco at all. Lucy Slim Pouches use the newest technology for synthesizing pure nicotine in the lab. None of the tobacco, all of the nicotine satisfaction. Lucy Slim Pouches include both coconut oil and gum base to provide a soft, fluffy texture that enhances the flavor and doesn't dry out your mouth. Comes in three strengths, four, eight, and 12 milligrams, and three exclusive and delicious flavors, spearmint, mango, and cool cider. My buddy Andre, has switched to Lucy products. It can help your friend or family member who uses nicotine. It can help you. Four milligrams sounds good to me, and Spearmint sounds delicious to me. Tell them, Nate. It's 2022. Don't compromise when you're choosing nicotine products. Go with the newest tobacco-free options from Lucy. The Ric Flair Show listeners, go to lucy.co and use the promo code F-L-A-I-R, Flair, to get 20% off your order of Lucy Slim Pouches or any other Lucy products. That's lucy.co and use promo code F-L-A-I-R 
Winner at checkout. Little disclaimer, warning, this product contains non-tobacco nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. That's lucy.co, and be sure to use that promo code, Flare. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at savewithconrad.com. Now, now, Rick, there's some uh, some things going on in your life that I know you wanted to shed a, a, a little light on. Uh, please feel free. The floor is yours. Oh, I was just going to talk about um, just the issues that went down between myself and Wendy. And everybody wants to just be negative. And what, what disappoints me is that um, she still runs my business affairs, Handles my personal life. There's nothing wrong with our relationship. I am really difficult to live with because I want to travel. I like signing autographs. I like going to St. Louis with you. And she did that for what nine straight years, and she just got tired of it. And I and I get it. So, um, but what killed me is that of all the people, Charles Barkley, Darius Rutger, name it. On the list of Kid Rock can call me and say, Is everything cool? Which they have. And I go, Yeah, everything's great. Just, you know, life just changes and goes in different directions. Not one person from the WWE. Really? Not, not one. Not a wrestler, the not most, anybody. The, the most insensitive company in the world. People that I have given my life to and they've given me a lot of theirs. None. So, you see where it, where it goes. When you're not there, they don't care. So that, that I don't resent them for, but I notice, I know who reached out to me and who reached out to her and who didn't. So um, if you're that insensitive, shame on you. Did, did I, people from did other people in wrestling, not with WWE, reach out? I mean, is this a oh, WWE yeah. thing? Oh or? yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying. Neither company, but I mean, well, executives have, but I'm talking about my wrestling friends. That must be very disappointing. No, it's it's life. It's wrestling. It's wrestling. And that's why, but what it, what it, what it, the lesson that should be learned is that when you are so wrapped up in your life as I was, now I look back on my career and I say, well, you know what? I don't feel so bad because I wasn't around either. It's a full-time job being a wrestler. Yeah, it's 24-7, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. Especially, good. especially with social media hounding you. Well, Rick, here, here's a legit question. 
Uh, how different would your life have been if, if the prime of your career had been today, where the guys work so little by comparison? Would that have been good for your life? Would it have been bad? Would it have changed your life? Would you have liked it? What if yeah. you would have wrestled in your prime now? I told you, it, neither, neither company has enough money. <laughs> Let's just say what if. What if I'd be the God? I would have. I don't know. I mean, I think I could. I think I would have done very well. No, however, I, I, but here's the issue: the conduct issues because of social media would have would have really. I, I couldn't have lived within the confines of what you're, they're asked to do in terms of social media. Oh, I don't. I don't know, Nature. I think you would have adjusted. I think if you would have come oh, along, I, I, I can always adjust. But what made me go what wound me up was. Having fun. If I wasn't having fun, as you know, at WCW at the end, I wasn't having fun. I was miserable. But, you know, and with Hurd, I was miserable. But the whole rest of my career was awesome. So you take two or three years out of, out of a, what'll be 50 years next, uh, this September. Um, man, I gotta live, I gotta, I gotta live until September uh, 7th. Um, I will be, I'll be extremely happy. I mean, I, you can't take two or three years of misery and, and let that, which I have done for a short period of time, dictate how successful your career was. Well, n nobody's had a more successful career than you. And God bless Wendy and you. And Wendy's always been yeah. great to me and very She's inclusive. Still great. She's still She's great. awesome. So, uh, so hey, again. Do you know what it's like standing there for eight hours, signing all day long and talking to people? And then, because me, I always wanted to go to the bar afterwards. There's no day off. <laughs> now, uh, another thing you wanted to talk I'll, about. All in St. Louis. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. I had, a, I had just a, a terrific that time, was, as you know. That was just the first day of a three-day gig for me. <laughs> uh, no, no. Every day is the first day of a 365 <laughs> gig for you, Nature Boy. You know that. Now. <laughs> I want to talk about women's wrestling. Uh, we, we talk about it uh, in bits and pieces on this show all the time. I want to do a deeper dive. Who are the very best women's wrestlers now? And let's forget about Charlotte because she's number one and nobody would argue that. Not even her biggest critics, not even your biggest critics, but who comes in after her? Well, there, that, 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 there's a many, <laughs> they have some great performers and they have some really good ones. But I mean, I, I just think that on the same page every day at Sasha and Charlotte, um, and I just, I could go down. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Bailey's. Uh, I think she'll be back soon. I'm a big fan. Um, I mean, I, I know this sounds strange because it's everybody wants to think I, I was a big fan of Becky's. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they came, they, they all came up together. You know and, you and you certainly still give Becky her due as a performer even now. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, 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 just, I just think the female rock, Natty Nyhart. Yep, it, for it, sure, it, Natty. It, it, it pounded her away every day. I mean, you know, there's always going to be a place in my heart for Tamina. Obviously, Jimmy was one of my close friends. But I, I, I think all the girls, I mean, by God, um, Naomi, I think Naomi yeah. is phenomenal. A lot of potential, uh, although I think... Oh, yeah, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm as big a fan of um, oh, Bianca Belair and and Rhea. I mean, I, I don't like what they did with Rhea, but Bianca, un, unlimited 
unlimited potential of Bianca. Well, Naomi, I, I didn't... And, and, and Naomi has been a staple. I like Carmella's work. I mean, I actually think if, if Luke watching the show, I'm enjoying the women's wrestling as much as the guys, sometimes even more. I'm, as a rule, enjoying it even more. And I'm glad you brought up Carmella because I think for somebody uh, who basically harkens back to the old WWE days where, where looks mattered more, She's a beautiful girl, yeah. but she's learned to work and she gets better all the time. So and, I give her, and, and she's a nice person. Yes. No, for being a former Patriots cheerleader, yeah, she's okay. Was she a Patriots cheerleader? I, I think she was, yeah. I love that. <laughs> and now she's engaged to a Pittsburgh guy, Corey I Graves. Know, I know, Corey. Boy, talk oh, about man. talk about turn and heel. I don't care how good looking <laughs> and, and, and wonderful she is. But but I, I want to mention Natalia. Hey, hey, Corey's overachieved. Come on. Let's get serious. <laughs> I'm jealous, no question about that. But I want to say about Natalia real quick first. It's a shame that the women's wrestling boom didn't come along a little earlier. Yeah. Not that she's not done extremely well, and I think the world of her as a performer and as a person. But imagine if she had come up with with that group of Charlotte, Becky, Bailey, and Sasha, and oh been God. the same age, and, and you know how over she would have got. You know, it, it, again, I don't want to say it passed her by, but her timing wasn't great. Well, it just, it was a phase of life, but she is. Oh, no, nothing you can do. Nothing uh, you can do. Nothing, she's she, made she, the she, most of it. Yeah, she has stayed in phenomenal shape. She's married to a great guy that um, that, that that backs her and supports her. And uh, she's got a great foundation, of course, you know, for the, the, the Hart family and the Nyharts. God, I was really close to her dad. I mean, just, I'm just happy to see her going. And I mean, I don't think there's a time frame anymore for women. I think that no, you're right. If, if they work hard and they take care of themselves, that, that age is just a number. Yeah, and I don't want to make it seem like when I say it passed her by, I, I no, just you're, think, you're talking about timing in the business. Not, yeah, had, not her had, had, had the boom hit when she was younger, she would have been the number one woman for many years, and she still yeah. came close to that as it was. And she's a great teacher, working with the younger girls. So I, I have always a lot of time for Natty. I liked her dad too. Uh, we drove together a couple times back in WCW, believe it or not, when he got stuck short of a rental car. And uh, and I have a lot of respect for Natalia. And getting back to the timing factor, Nate, we've mentioned frequently that Charlotte, Becky, Bailey, and Sasha all came up together. That was the perfect storm for them. Oh. If, if there would have been any and, one and of them I, at I, any I, one time. I was there that night and Stephanie, and what made the platform even bigger, we've discussed this, is Stephanie McMahon introduced them. Yep. Not some ring announcer, Stephanie McMahon. Yep. So there you go. How big is that? And uh, where does Dr. Britt Baker fit in? Let's talk about some of the AEW women. Uh, to me, she's the the one woman from AEW that could fit right in at WWE and and uh, and, and really go with a lot of the girls we've talked about. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. What What do you like about her? Um, I like her look. I like her character. I like the way she carried herself. Um, and she's a damn good performer. There's, there's nothing not to like about her. Now, there's a lot of talk about Jade Cargill, who has the TBS title yes. in, a in AEW. Well, what's your take on her? She has a, a little bit of a China look to her. She's very muscular, yeah. very strong. And yeah. one thing they do well, they don't give her long, drawn-out matches. She's still a, a little bit green, if I'm not mistaken. And I think they book her just right. Yeah, I, I like her a lot too. She's really good. You like she almost has the nature boy hair, doesn't she? 
Almost. <laughs> what, what's more important with the women, Nate? Uh, looks, promo ability, ring work. What's the balance? Is it the same as with the men? It's the balance. Yeah, I, I, to be really good, you have to have all three. To be great, you have to have all three for sure. And there's no one that's more important with the women? Like, there's not a bigger... I mean, at one time, there definitely was a bigger emphasis on looks. Uh, or one time, yeah. I mean, for me, when I when I, Tori Wilson wasn't in the Royal Rumble, I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always I, disappointed I, when I yeah, don't get yeah, to see I, Tori. I can't wait for Tori to come through the curtain. <laughs> we always got time for good-looking women. But um, I think that the combination now of... Uh, of, of, of Finding that character that is so suited for you that you find that level of comfort, and that is where the queen's at right now, man. No question. She, she is. And I mean, she could be doing this for another ten years. That's if she likes to. She has found that level of comfort, even when they, if they flip her back and forth or whatever. Right now, she's riding high. I mean, it, it, it. it to me, it's the best thing going today. When oh, you no. find when you find your niche and you find that character, and that, you know the cards just come. You know, some sometimes it's just all in the way the cards are played out. How the writers read it one day and they go, "Bingo, that's it." And, and I want to make it's, clear: it's so it's so natural, so natural, and so real. I make everybody watch when she's on TV, and everybody goes, <laughs> "Holy shit!" I mean, really. You don't. You don't have to make me watch. I mean, she's the best thing in wrestling now, and that's regardless. And, that, that, of- and, and she could have been. She was. She, she sent me a T-shirt one time with that t- to be the man. She did that. I'm gonna do it on my own. Sorry. Uh, I I mentioned before that that looks used to matter more with the women, and I'm not saying the women today aren't great looking. They are. They're all way too good looking for me. But but there used to be like kind of the TNA factor with Sunny and Sable. Back mm-hmm. then, what did you think of that era? Were you a fan of that? I mean, I was a fan of those two, that's for sure. But it was certainly a very different presentation. Yeah, I was a fan of it. <laughs> I can lie to you. <laughs> but but they weren't really wrestlers, were they? I, I don't think they were. I don't think they were put in a position where they had to become a great wrestlers. They were great to look at TV. That was the attitude there, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. So. <laughs> they had a lot of attitude that I enjoyed. Oh, they had a lot of attitude and then some that I enjoyed. But I, I used to feel bad, for example, uh, for for Trish Stratus, who was very attractive but was a great worker, and they had her doing stuff like crawling around on all fours, barking like a dog. I don't think that served her very well. I don't either, but it back then was a strange period of time, and that's when they were, you know, it really got nasty for a while. With the, between the two companies, you know, and uh, I mean, I, nobody likes True Stratus more than me. I think she's great. We've been friends for, I, I text her once a month. Um, and she's another one that stayed in just fabulous shape. I mean, God, she's just unbelievable. So, and now her buddy Lita's out there going to wrestle um, Becky. And Lita's been bringing, her interviews have been good. I mean, but we all did. We all did things that we didn't want to do. Oh, I, no, no. I I don't think that her that her doing that was any worse than me being put in a mental institution. <laughs> it's hard or being buried in the desert. I, I don't have a lot of sympathy with these. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, you certainly went went through that and then some. And I don't think people necessarily think less of Trish because of that. Like you said, it was Did a that, weird Mark, time. Mark, to be honest with you, you're a historian. I don't even know about that. So I, when I think of Trish Strat, I think of working beautiful young lady that could work her ass off. Right, and that's how she should be thought of. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Lita. I think Lita's terrific. I'm glad to see her back, even if it's for the short term. She was like a female Hardy Boy. That's how she works. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Phenomenal. And uh, the, her character back when she was with Edge was to die for, man. I loved working with them. You were talking about the ladder match. She was an intricate in the ladder match with Edge as uh, as Edge was. And she, I put the figure four on her, and it was just fabulous. And it was fun, you know what I mean? They they got they they got me through what would have been a long night, just having fun with them. Now you know who we almost forgot to mention in this discussion of the women because people always do is Oscar, and that's oh, God. she's been hurt. But but to me, well, after I, after Sasha, she is uh, Charlotte's number two opponent. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, what makes I, her good? God. Well, work ethic and talent, just plain skill, S-K-I-L-O. She's great. Not good, great. And I think that'd be a consensus opinion about anybody, from anybody that knows anything about the business. Oscar's great. You know, I used to not like uh, her, her promos and the way she was presented as kind of a cartoon character and in some ways stereotypical. Yeah, but she's, she's, straight, she's straightened that out. It was great. Well, yeah, not only that, too, but I, I think it made her interesting. I mean, I, I'm still not enamored of it, but, I mean, she's not going to go out there and talk like Ric Flair. That's not her her first language. So I think they took her and made the most of her. Yeah, and at the end, they were giving her interviews that made sense. I loved it. I didn't know she was injured. What's wrong with her? Uh, I don't know. I think it's something chronic. I don't know specifically off the top oh, okay. of my head. Maybe, maybe our great... Uh, Maybe our great producer, Steve Kaufman, can dig that up and put it on the little... We have a little side reel here where we cheat, Nate. You have it, so maybe he can find out. I, I don't have it because I'm not uh, technically strong enough to figure that out. Oh, uh, Steve came through. Oscar had her arm in a sling as of uh, September, so that's been uh, something that's hindered her for a while. Probably rotator, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Now, uh, well, that was that was great uh, talking about the women. I, I want to mention Dolph Ziggler is in NXT now. You're a big fan. I'm a big fan. Is that a demotion? What's he gain going NXT? I, I'm sure he'll be in a good program. It, once again, proves out to be what I've always said about him. He can do anything. I don't think he looks at it as being a demotion. He looks at it as being someone that's needed, which he is. He'll have a place forever. And he saved his money. He's got money. He doesn't need to work. So obviously he's having fun. Reach goodbye. He's a funny guy. I know he does stand-up comedy, too. Yeah. Have you ever seen him do comedy? I have not, but I'm going to try to sometime. I keep promising that, and I haven't. I, but I don't, hey, hey don't, think, don't think Dolph and I have that a few martinis. Oh, I know. <laughs> and, I, and I think he's hilarious. Although, uh, being funny, you know, on TV and being funny on stage doing stand-up are two different things. Yeah. There are a couple guys in our profession I have seen do stand-ups, in the wrestling profession, I should say, that, uh, well, they were really good wrestlers as far as being stand-up comedians. Uh, we've talked about this before, but let's mention it again, Rick. I think Dolph may be the most underutilized wrestler in recent history. What say you? Absolutely. But he's not underutilized because every time they put him, demote him, they bring him right back. So... I think he probably enjoys the couple weeks he has off, and then they, they realize, but where's Ziggler? 
we're, we're, we're dull. We're, you know what I mean? Let's that sounds familiar. Let, let, let's get let's get him out of Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, no, and and I I think he's just tremendous. In fact, and I'm, I'm he's sure. the last great American gigolo. Come on, Jesus! I thought you were the last great American gigolo. No, no, God, Mark. Do you realize two weeks from today I will be seven three? See, I refuse to accept that because Ric Flair doesn't age. Well, I know that. That's <laughs> just a number, but come there, on. There, there are two people that I have refused <laughs> to ever entertain the possibility of a world without. Okay, you are one of them. I'm being very serious. <laughs> okay. Two people, I, I can't stand the thought of a world without. Can you guess who the second one is? Huh, I can't. Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin. Oh, of course. God, how, how, why wouldn't I know that? Excuse me. Well, see, but that you know what we have to talk about sometime. Give me a front page on this though. What are your tastes in music? I've never gotten a grip on what you like musically. I like um, Chuck Berry. I like um, Jerry Lee. I like Jerry Lee. I like Kid Rock. I like uh, Darius Rucker. I like a lot of music. I can, I know, I can, I can bounce around. Um, you know me, I can I can adjust to the age group I'm with. <laughs> well, we'll, no, I, I I've seen that in in action. As a matter of fact. Now I want to I want to go off the off the uh, grid to talk about uh, more traditional sports for a second. You're a big LeBron James guy. I am. Got him ever. Who's better, LeBron and Jordan, or Jordan and why? Well, I only give it to LeBron. First of all, I like Michael, um, and I've. Known him since he was 19, and he's always really played to me. But I, I just go with LeBron because of how much bigger he is. Yeah, well, you know, funny, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think Jordan was slightly the better basketball player in terms of skill, very mm -hmm. slightly. But LeBron's just a bigger and better physical specimen. And I think that served him really well because I think the game got bigger and more physical during his career. It has. Not that it wasn't physical back when he was playing. you got to remember the Detroit Pistons with Lambeer and all that. God. No, I just think that, um, you know, LeBron started at 18. Michael, Michael of course, went to Carolina. So when you're, the, when you're considered the, the best basketball player from the time you're 18 to you're 36, you have to have something going on. Because the Lakers are not playing well right now, but I think he's still averaging 28, 8, and 8, something like that. He's, oh, and, and all kinds of triple doubles. I mean, I mean, I mean it's, it's unending. It, and he he doesn't slow down. They keep waiting for this cliff. I mean, it, it hasn't happened. That's when I heard Will Bond, I we talk about this, Will Bond and Kornheiser say, is LeBron one of the top five? Please, come on, guys, give me a break. Well, I, 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 I died last night watching LeBron and uh, uh, Durant pick their teams. <laughs> that thing with James Harden was funny as hell. <laughs> you, you know, for a guy who hates ESPN, you sure do watch it a lot. Well, you're forced to. <laughs> I, watch the, the, I watch Aaron get his uh, fourth uh, MVP, and I watch uh, the draft. I do, I do enjoy that kind of stuff. T.J. Watt, Defensive Player of the Year. Pittsburgh. I know, you're your guy. But he didn't break the kid's record from the Giants, did he? Or tied he tied it. it. He tied, tied it, correct. It. Yeah. And, and the funny part is... But, did, the but last... didn't the kid from the Giants get that because Favre fell down? Yeah, Favre took, Favre took a bump for straight, man, <laughs> to, give, to give him See? the record. 
I got a great memory. Well, and there was and there was some controversy in the Steelers last game too because Watt originally got credited with another sack, and then they took it away a few minutes later because the quarterback fumbled the ball I saw and, then, and then fell on it. And apparently, yeah. according to the rules, and I checked it out, this was an accurate call. If, if it's a fumble and the quarterback falls on it, it ceases to be a sack. Yeah. How proud do you think the uh, Watt parents are of their boys? Oh, my God. <laughs> You know, we got the third one here too. He's a fullback. Yeah, I know. Yeah. guy, Derek. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just, I just hope they get more for, for, for him to work with on defense. Cause boy, that was like a, a two, a three man gang with him, Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick. The other guys, a lot of injuries too. Well, like how, 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 to how, it. how did you guys work it out to get Rogers? I get, how, how, how's that coming along? <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> don't, don't make me do my radio show early today. Cause I, I have to deal with that all the friggin' time. Now, now, getting back to basketball, did you watch the Last Dance, the documentary on ESPN Absolutely. about the Bulls? Absolutely. Well, now, now, I'm a big Jordan fan. I respect. Him. I am too. But why does he carry around such anger even years later? That 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 disappoints me a little. Um, I didn't translate it into anger. I just he was an intense guy. You know? Yeah, but but should he still be that way now? Looking back. I mean, are you? Oh, but, but, but who is he angry at? I, I missed some. What am I missing? Oh, like some of the stuff he said about Pippen and just, you know, he always, he, he never misses a chance to be critical. And don't get me wrong, the criticism is very often accurately applied. But uh, but I don't know. I, I Hey, who can who can be in Michael Jordan's shoes? There's only one Michael Jordan. Exactly. And, and by the way, anybody that doesn't think he's a sensitive guy needs to watch how he spoke at Kobe's uh, funeral. Right, right. Oh my and, God, and Kobe! Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, and he barely, barely knew Kobe. Where do you put Kobe in that in that class in that hierarchy? The best ever, top five. I think that's right. I think that's right. Uh, you know, it's tough to do though, Nate. And I'm sure you'll agree with this. And 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 we grew up in the big man era, which which it isn't the same. But it's tough to rate like compare LeBron to like a, a Wilt or or a. Jordan to like a Kareem. It's just, it's just like they're playing a different game. Different position. Yeah. And almost a different game. I mean, they have a totally different function. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I I just met a lodge mom for the first time last week. Oh my, he's a big man. Yeah. I was with Clyde Drexler. I like Clyde a lot. I was going, I played one-on-one with Clyde. (laughs) Come on. Who won? (laughs) Who won? He would well, he wouldn't go to the court with me. I'd just do it in the back room while we're assigning. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. Well, actually, this is a good thing to do a lengthy, uh, a lengthy uh, discussion about. But just uh, a quick memory: when Malone and Rodman worked in WCW, what was your take on that? Well, I got to know them both very well. I I talk to Dennis Rodman once a week. He's great. Great. Guy. He's actually doing. They're doing a documentary now on that on the as a uh, on it. As a result of the last dance, we're doing a documentary on Dennis's two days in Vegas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> listen, I've been to Vegas with LT and Dennis, <laughs> and people think I have problems. <laughs> what one of my favorite memories from your your seventieth birthday party, which was just tremendous. I mean, what a what a cast of characters was there. <laughs> but you know, Dennis Rodman remembered me. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. I, I was standing, I was standing at the bar, imagine that, and I get a tap on the shoulder. And I turned around as Dennis Rom and he points me, he goes, announcer guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I go, 
I that's, go, the way, that, that's the way he would say it too. I go, that's right. Announcer guy. And we, we talked for, you know, a few minutes and it was, uh, it was great to reconnect with him just for a second. I, I've always thought he was a great guy. I have very fond memories of him in WCW. Yeah. He's a great guy. Now, uh, that, that match the other night, the AEW between Lance Archer and Hangman Page was a lot of blood. And we have talked frequently about blading, which you turned into an art form, if I do say so myself. But one thing I forgot to ask you when we talked about it, what's the worst you ever bled? And, and did a cut ever get out of control to where you were worried about things as they were happening? Um, no. You always felt like, like it was cool. Yeah. I, I, I like it when they I like it when they got the staples and the, and the stitches. The, uh, the, the staples easy. The stitches could be a pain in the ass. Really? Why would the staples uh, hurt less than the stitches? Boom, 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 boom. You're just done, right? You're done. The stitches, Novocaine and all that shit. I mean, when you if they catch you fresh, like me, I always get it done before I take a shower. You know what I mean? Right. Sometimes, sometimes I'll say, shower up and come back. I go, no, just I'll shower up, fix me now. While I'm still, boom, boom, you know what I mean? Now, it's, it's when the adrenaline wears off that shit hurts. <laughs> you never use super glue like some guys did, do you? No, no. What, what do you think of that? That That's kind of a sketchy I, I, alternative. No, no, they have put glue on top of the staples before, but it was a bad one. Oh, I've seen guys. I was backstage at ECW once, and I forget who did it, but I saw a guy just actually super glue the cut. Yeah, I've never done that, no. Yeah, I'm not sure I would want to. Uh, what's the most days in a row you ever bled? Because I bet it's a lot, but still your scar tissue, as we've talked about, isn't that bad. Well, I could, I probably could say I bled every day one time, a couple times for a whole year. Really? <laughs> Why wouldn't I? <laughs> I mean, especially back in the time when I was doing those hour matches, I couldn't wait to get the blade out. <laughs> You can get, the, if nothing else is going on, you can always get them with a blade. Now, uh, your white hair was made for blood. Yeah. One of my first exposures to Ric Flair, apart, I think I told I you, used, Rick, I used to like swing it in the crowd. <laughs> well, I told, I've told you many times and certainly years ago, when I was a kid, the first time I saw you was, uh, if you hung a UHF antenna out the window of my house, because I lived on the high still in Pittsburgh, you could get, I forget if it was the station from Johnstown or Steubenville, either Johnstown, PA or Steubenville, Ohio, but they had Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I saw that stuff. It was on 1 a.m. right after WWF on WORTV from New York. So that was my first exposure. But my other exposure was you on the cover of the After magazines, mm-hmm. like the wrestler and Inside Wrestling. Yeah. Do you, do you have any of those pictures? Some of those pictures with you bleeding and the white hair were unbelievable. I, I had all of them, but once again, they're in the hands of somebody that decided to keep my memory bleeding. One of the wives. We got to get it all back someday, Nate. What do you think? Yeah, that would take a lot of groundwork. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, isn't it funny? Last week I discussed how Tiffany stole seven robes. That didn't make the news. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Well, it, it, nobody gotta, cares. Nobody cares about shit that's real. They always want. They always want to jump on the stuff that make believe. What would make it tough to reassemble everything? You have to make too many stops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about: protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for GoliathLife.com, but to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. 
We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now, and just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance. Super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price. You start the online application immediately and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google podcasts? You should know that the Google podcast app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. Now, uh, here's here's an interesting topic, and I can't believe we've not discussed it. Maybe we'll make this a feature if people like it. What current wrestlers that you never wrestled, give me one or two, would you want to have a match with, with them as they are and you in your prime back when? Oh, my God. Roman, number one. I figured that. In my prime, Brock. Oh, my God. Would have been unbelievable, right? Yeah, Brock, Roman. um, Oh, God. In my prime, for sure, AJ Styles. um, In my prime, Randy Orton. I'd love to work with the, uh, that. Um, I, you know, I, because he's on the stick, I think I would have liked to work with um, with CM Punk. Oh, really? Now that's the one thing one you said that surprises me. Why? What kind of match do you think that would have been? Well, if he would if he would have accepted the role of a babyface, it could have been really good. I because, I think he would do that. Yeah, if he would have because. Uh, I also wish I could have wrestled Jericho when I was younger. Well, you did wrestle Jericho a, a few yeah, times, I, I think, but right? Yeah, remember, I was in my 50s. Right, right. I mean, you know, it's not the same as when I was 30 years old. When I, when I wrestled Bachwinkle in Winnipeg for an hour, Chris was, what's Chris? Chris is 20 years, Chris was 18 years old. <laughs> and no, he was no, there, no. I think. He was there, yeah. Sure yeah. Was. Him and Don Callis, I think, were both there. Mm-hmm. What what kind of match do you think you would have had with Brock? How how would that match have developed? Because I of of, the, of everybody you mentioned, all those appeal to me, but that may be the most intriguing. Well, I wouldn't have been afraid of him back then. When I when I when I had to wrestle him at WWE, I was petrified. Really? I, yeah, because you you worry about getting hurt when you get older. That's the minute the minute you worry about getting hurt, you, you got to go home. Right. I mean, you, you just do. 
and you're worried about getting hurt. And I, I don't ever worry about that with Sean. I don't worry about it with, uh, uh, you know, Hunter or Randy or Dave. But, uh, you know, when you get a guy like Brock that can, you know, throw you around and, and, and wouldn't, he wouldn't mean to, but you never know where you're going to land. You know, I can remember the first time I got suplexed on my head in 1975 by, uh, by Ivan Koloff, of all people, on a belly-to-back suplex. Boom. And I, if I can remember that this long ago, you know how bad those things can be. You, you never forget the bad ones. Yeah, I like the idea of you and Brock. I like the idea of you and Roman. I like the idea of you. Oh, Roman. God, I would die to wrestle Roman Reigns the way he is right now. Taking all your bumps, it would have been unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would look what guy, how good looking is that kid? I mean, he's he steamboat. What, what about you and Brian Danielson? Yeah, I would love that if, if I could have been the bad guy. Oh, I would have had I would have had a phenomenal match with him. Let's be honest; you always want to be the bad guy. I do because I'm so limited on my work as a babyface. I, I I don't agree, but but I I see where you're coming from. What? A, cho- a chop and a woo is not exactly a lot of offense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so maybe 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 you got me there. Yeah, well, uh, that was about it. Chopping a woo and a dance. Well, it's it's funny. All the, <laughs> all the guys you're mentioning, though, they would all be different matches. Like, a match with Danielson or Punk would be so much different than oh, a yeah. match with, with Reigns or Lesnar. Like, exactly. like you, you and except Danielson. I, except I would take the same bumps, which no, would no, piss everybody off. <laughs> and, then, and then Brett could say how repetitive your matches are. God, <laughs> exactly, God, exactly. God bless Brett, though. Yeah. But you and Danielson for an hour would be incredible. Oh, yeah. I'm sure of it. After watching him, I... I People don't get it. I, just because I say something about them in, term, in one situation, in one match, doesn't mean I don't think they, they can't work. I'd love to work with those guys. Who wouldn't? I mean, shit. Well, that's what we talk about when it comes to they're, Twitter. They're, they're, they're all next-level guys. When when I said that Brian Danielson, you know, isn't allowed to have a mediocre match in terms of the way people rate it, people took that to mean that I think he sucks. I think he's brilliant. I think he's one of the best of his generation. You know, it's just there are different levels of great, but he is great. You can you can put the G word on Danielson, can't you? No. Um, I don't know. Maybe he'd have to wrestle you. No, no, it wouldn't be that. I mean, he's had some fantastic man. I, I guess you can. I mean, you know, once again, I'm, my great is uh, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, Shawn Michaels. I mean, it's such a big word to put on somebody. I mean, uh, in, in terms of his in-ring work, yes. I absolutely can call him great. I'll tell you the match I want to see. Ric Flair and Charlotte Flair. <laughs> Look at her. What do you think? Uh, that'll never happen. Well, I'll, I'll sure I, be. I, I, I know I can, it'll I never can, happen. I cannot wait. I got a box at A&M at the a and I'm sorry, at a and AT&T Stadium for that for the WrestleMania. I got a box. Am I, I would, invited? Uh, yeah, you are. Of course you are. My God, you, I can't I can't wait yeah, to see that uh, match. Well, that means I got to order Coors Light, too. Holy shit. Okay. You know what? I got to tell you. I mean, Coors Light's my brand, and they're a sponsor. But when we got stuck in, in St. Louis with, with Mick Ultra. Yeah, it wasn't was bad, there, right? Uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Well, I do well, Mick Ultra from 5 to 8, and then I go to the Red Wine from 8 to 10. I mean, you you have your discipline, and I respect <laughs> that. But but the, the, the thing about I, I got to tell you, 
I always get heat from some of the bars here in Pittsburgh because I don't, I, I'm not a craft beer guy. You, you've had people try to push that on you, I guess. A- absolutely. To me, the thing with beer is I want to get like five down my neck in 20 minutes. To me, with Mick Ultra, they don't have it in a bar, and I tell them I want it, they go buy it while I'm sitting there. <laughs> I, I, here, here's a great Mick Ultra story. Who wants to lose Ric Flair as a customer? <laughs> my, my, my good friend, uh, Mark Bulger, remember the Rams quarterback? Sure. I went to his wedding in Las Vegas. It was it was quite the soiree at the Bellagio. And uh, all the Bulgers, the whole family, they drink McUltra. Yeah. And they don't slow down. And all their friends drink McUltra. And everybody yeah. there drank McUltra. So in the middle of the reception, the guy in charge of food and beverage comes over to, to Mark's dad, Jim, who played quarterback for Notre Dame. And he goes, Mr. Bulger, uh, we don't have any McUltra left. And Jim goes, well, just, you know, go down to the next bar, go, you know, over there and get it. And he goes, no, you don't understand. We've done that. You have drunk all the McUltra in the Bellagio Casino. Well, I got one better than that. Go ahead. Megan's wedding. You were at it. I was at it. Minneapolis. Dom Perion was at a premium. I told the guy, the girl that that orchestrated a wedding to drive around Minneapolis and buy 30 bottles of Dom Perion. She said, it's going to cost a lot. I said, no problem. I got the bill a month after the wedding. What do you think 30 bottles down for you cost me in Minneapolis at the wedding? 30 extra ones. I want to say seven grand. Nine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was you a great get, wedding. Uh, yeah, when you get married and, and uh, Nature Boy's your dad, it's going to be big time. <laughs> no question. I remember, remember, I knew the kid that was Megan's first husband. He was the goalie. Yeah. And you could tell he just wasn't sure what he had got himself into at that wedding. Well. <laughs> just with all the miscreants and all the Dom Perignon, as, yeah. as they say. Uh, now, uh, uh, seriously. Hey, and, and, and now she's driving a Bentley SUV. What does that tell you? <laughs> Bentley makes SUVs. Yeah. There are very few of them, but she's got one. I'm like, I'm a Conrad. <laughs> Boy, Conrad's got even more friggin' money than I thought. Oh, yeah. yeah. For God's sakes. She drove to Miami to get it. She would, She couldn't wait for it to be delivered. <laughs> but I, I got it. Like, I said you're going to stop in Tampa and see your dad. Dad, I don't have time. <laughs> well, now, hold on. we got to talk about you have that one car I love, too. We've never talked about that on the show. What, what model is that? It's a 63 Series AMG package Mercedes. They only made 180 of them. I'll tell you, everybody out there, if you get a chance to ride in one of these things, we, we cruised around uh, Atlanta. Eight, eight, 800 horsepower. We cruised around Atlanta in that thing. It was unbelievable. And not yeah. only that, Nate, for a, for a car like that, a sporty car, a fat guy can fit into it. It's it's the daily double. Well, I've lost weight. I'm talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I've lost weight as well. Now, now uh, you and See, see how much fun we're having today? We are having fun. We haven't even knocked anybody. A little bit. Now we talked about you against Charlotte, which I, I would have loved to have seen you guys go hold for hold. And we me and Charlotte, you. not a chance. She, she killed me every time she sees me. She wants to play around. She throws me around, grabs me, and how she is. She's so damn strong. Do you remember we were out to dinner in Pittsburgh, and you and her locked up on the side? I know, I know. That's what I mean. She throws, she throws me around. And we had we had to make the guy erase the camera phone. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. And you know who the one that made him do it was? Uh, Charlotte. <laughs> yep, that's right. Yeah. Don't mess with Charlotte. <laughs> we, we see the occasional man versus woman match now. Not in WWE, 
But is that good, a man versus woman no. match? I mean, no. I, I can't take it seriously. How about no. you? No. What, what are the cons? I just don't like it. Yeah, it, it beggars belief, doesn't it? Yes. And I, I, don't, I, think it, I think at this point in time that women don't even need to be ever categorized in, or put in that position. I tend to agree uh, with that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know who's who finds entertainment in that. I certainly don't. Well, one thing that I'm glad has gone out of wrestling because it wasn't so long ago where you had, you know, occasionally a man would punch a woman, like a woman would be victimized by violence. Mm-hmm. And at the time back when it didn't bother me, but but I've come to realize that you know, I mean, this sounds so cliched, Rick, but kids are watching. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I don't think you want to objectify. And I don't think you want to promulgate that sort of thing in in terms of violence. Naturally, and going back to the guy and the girl, or the man and the woman wrestling. I mean, then you got that going on at the house, and I mean, it's just nothing good about that. So yeah. And some, and some girl gets hurt getting suplexed by her her brother or something like that. You know what I mean? It's, we, well, that's we why WWE always has it as the disclaimer: don't try this at home. Yeah, well, they, that's because that's with you. You don't think that they run around, play around. I can do this. That's why mine was all, the figure four was safe. There was no suplexes involved. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's not always that. Do you remember putting the figure four leg lock on that on that loudmouth second string linebacker in the bar at Pittsburgh after the Dapper Dan? Why did Jeff say second string? My story was first team. I'm sorry. I, I'm only saying that because I forget his name. So I, everybody has. And by, <laughs> and, by, and by the way, he didn't get away. Do you remember? He, that's right, he didn't. Kerry Collins was there. Kerry <laughs> Collins was there. Uh, Mike Mamola, remember him, the workout warrior? Exactly. And he both, was there. Uh, 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 the coach from KC and... Uh, no, no, that was later. We were at Primanti Brothers, the uh, late night restaurant with Cower and Schottenheimer. Cower and Schottenheimer, yeah. Which, by the way, I, and I've, I've neglected to mention this, the last time I saw Coach Cower, he said to say hello to you. Oh, good. And he, and he did remember that night. You know, Marty's since passed. Yeah, of course. I keep track. Mark, I'm not yeah, dead. Well, I no, keep but track. It, well, what a great guy he was, too. Oh, my God. Both of them. Been it on. was both of them, but Bill's still around. We have, I have Bill on the show, but what I remember about Tell Marty was... Tell him I said hi, please. I will do. I will do. What I remember about Bill about Marty was, because, you know, he was Bill's mentor. Whenever I did an article on Bill or had something going along with going with Bill in the media, Marty would return the call right away. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You know, right away. You know where Bill went to college at, right? I do, but refresh my memory. Oh, my God. North Carolina State, he grew up on a nature boy. We all grew up on the nature boy, Pat. Now, <laughs> now, now here's another loose end I want to tie from a couple weeks ago. We were talking about different bookers, and you cited George Scott and Vince as the best bookers you worked for. Uh, who else was good that you worked for, and who was the worst? Who's the worst booker? Eddie Gray was really good, too. Oh, in Florida. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, very good. I didn't mean to leave him out by any means. Um, the worst booker? Ole Anderson. What made him the worst booker? He, he couldn't catch up with the times. I mean, a smart guy, make no mistake, but he couldn't he couldn't keep up with the times. What about when he worked for Dusty? Dusty got criticism. Oh, always... oh, Dusty was a great booker, too. Oh, my God. He did put himself over, and I'm not being critical. That's okay. Because... He was so innovative. That, I mean, that became a point of contention with he and I. But at the end of the day, he and I made nothing but money. My God. Right. Right. Well, and Dusty was so over, too. Like, that that's kind of a catch-22. If you're the booker, but also a legitimately big star, you got to feature yourself. Exactly. Now, uh, what makes a good booker? And can the booker possibly keep everybody happy? Should he even try to do that? 
No, because he can't. And you're gonna, he'll, I always tell the guy at the top now, they ask the question, I say, you take the top 10 guys and give everybody else to somebody else. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, only that's 10 a, guys can get to you. That's a, that's a really good idea. I mean, how many bookers acted on that? How many do you think did that? Well, did I'm you talking do- about, I'm, I wasn't cited as a booker. I'm talking about, I told John Laurinaitis when he, when he became head of talent relations. Right. I said, John, for this to succeed, uh, you know, like in the old days, you'd get the TV and there'd be 30 guys wanting to talk to Vince. Right. Well, he can't talk to 30 guys and get his job done. So finally, along comes talent relations, okay? At that time, it was Pat, but then all of a sudden it's Jim Ross, and it's a huge job. Being a head of talent relations is a nightmare because that's the job where you get the heat. Some guys are built for it, some aren't. Now, can can you book but the way, like- the way the way to succeed it is limit the number of guys, and I say your top guys, and then everybody else talk to somebody else. No, that's very profound. Uh, can you book by committee, or does one guy have no, to do it? No, absolutely not. But that's been tried many times, including with you, you involved. Well, you, you can write by committee. You can't book. You have to have one guy making all the decisions, right? Well, it's nice to surround yourself with people that do it. I mean, I, I never claimed to be a good booker. I know how to book myself. That I'm really good at. Okay? Now, I mean, whether I'm winning or losing, just like I know how to do it in the ring. But booking by committee, that that only because my name was my name did I get all the heat. I can tell I can tell you example of example of things that never even came out of my mouth, but Flair said it. Not sorry, it didn't work like that. Did you like the book? Was it something you enjoyed? No, I would I, I would bet it. not. I hated it. Why why'd you do it then? To make sure that I had a place on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad, was oh, yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. What, what, Jim Hurd? Where do you want me to go from there? Well, now, hold it. If Jim Hurd thought so little of you, why did he have you book? He had me on a booking committee. Oh, okay. I didn't book. I was on a booking committee. I've never been the booker. Never? Not even for a little bit? Just on a committee? Never. Just on a wow. committee the whole time. Now, but, but, have- what, but, 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 but whatever came down came from Flair. Didn't come from Kevin Sullivan. Didn't come from Mike Graham. Didn't come from Greg Gagne. And sure as hell didn't come from Bill Dundee. I'm sensing some sarcasm on your part. No, what I'm saying is my name was the one that Blair booked it. Even though we all sat there and pulled our hair out of our head only to have uh, whoever was running the company go, ah, no, no. I mean, so why even do it? You asked me why I did it? To make sure I still had a job. What are the pros and cons of an active wrestler being the booker? The worst case scenario. But it happens all the time. It happened all the not, time. Not anymore. Right. Well, I don't know. I think there's traces of that in, in AEW. I think Jericho books his own stuff. I think Cody books his own stuff. I think the Bucks book their own stuff. I, maybe they are, but uh, if they're doing it, they're doing it the right way because they're putting people over. As long as you want to put people over, that's a great thing about being a booker. But it's better if the if the booker's not a wrestler. Absolutely. Now, WWE uses writers with a TV background or Hollywood and not ex-wrestlers. I mean, a few. 
uh, or not many people with a wrestling background. Is that good or bad? It, it depends. I've met both. I've met. I've been, I have been. I have been privileged to work with both, and I, it all depends on. I can talk to them for ten minutes. What I don't like about WWE or the company, what, what frustrated me was when you put someone in charge of the company that doesn't know anything about wrestling. Gee, I wonder who you're referring to. I, I, I'm not going to harp on his name. No, 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 that, that's fine. I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, but, I know. No. That, 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 I couldn't live with that. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, of the guys you worked with in WWE who weren't wrestling people, who were, you know, writers, period. Who were some of the better ones and what made them good? Uh, Ed Kosky, fantastic. Uh, Dave Kapoor, fantastic. Brian Gorowitz, fantastic. Uh, Bruce Pritchard, fantastic. Um, I even liked working for Heyman, um, which people will think that we argued all the time. We didn't. We actually communicate on a pretty regular basis now. Um, um, I, I want to ask you about Gorowitz, or how do you pronounce his name? Gorowitz? Um, Gorowitz, yeah. Yeah, f- forgive me, Brian, if, if I got I love, it wrong. But, I love Brian, yeah. But I, I got to tell you, when he first started writing, I used to hate the way he started stuff out. Like, you know, some of the programs. But then the direction it took, he, he was a lot better at the finish than at the yeah. start. And I guess that counts for a lot. Yeah. You know how good you have to be to be with a company like Ed Kosky has for 20-some years? What makes him a good writer? He looked at the big picture. He looked at the past. He looked at the future. Well, it's funny because I have a high opinion of myself when it comes to knowing about this. I could never do that. I could never book. I could never write. I could never. I I, I would tend to think one week at a time. You mentioned big picture. And big picture is the most important thing, isn't it? I think that's one of the problems now is it where they had WrestleMania booked. They had WrestleMania booked for 2023 already. Is that, that good or bad? Sense. That 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 was great because they had a plan a plan in place. Now, I think they shoot more from almost a weekly basis sometimes. I think I think the plans are in place now for WrestleMania, but I think in the old days, they, I think pretty much you'd walk away from WrestleMania and know what the card was going to be next year. And you don't think that's the case anymore? No, because I think that um, there's you know talent. Unfortunately, moving around, and I, I don't think you can book like that anymore. I think that you have to go look at each show, especially the big ones, and make big plans for it. Now, uh, before we I mean, wrap I mean, up... I mean, COVID changed the look of everything. And until we have COVID lockdown, it could change it right now. Yeah, but I don't think COVID's going to have much of an impact on WrestleMania in Dallas. I think that's going to be sold out two straight nights, and I think it's going to be one of the biggest events ever, don't you? I do. What I'm saying, though, is someone could come down with COVID. Oh, oh, from the talent perspective. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. You never know. It, it, I mean, I, to me, it's been horrible for the kids. You know what I mean? Hey, uh, Joe Burrow could come down, you know, with, with COVID. LeBron James could come down with COVID. I mean, it's still everywhere, isn't it? Yes. Unfortunately. Now, before we wrap up, and we got some tweets I want to get to, but uh, we'll save... Uh, one for next week, but I want to ask you this week about one of your media ventures. First off, 
your autobiography from 2004, which I helped with uh, to be the man. How does that book hold up now, 18 years later? Well, that's a sore subject. Why? <laughs> read it. Read it. Look at the cover. Put the cover up so I can try to find something. What does it say? It says to be the oh well the man yeah yeah I mean it's, the title's it, a sore it, subject. It, it's still a sore subject, yeah. But uh, but what about the book itself? What about the the the, the content? It's good. I wish I hadn't taken a shot at so many guys, but I was pissed. Well, but don't you think that's honest? Don't you think that's part of what made it a good book? Like, Yeah, but but it's not how I feel now. And I think when you walk into a situation where you can be just, you know, an unload, uh, I think it's good. But, you know, you got to be able to look back 20 years later and say, geez, I, I, I was, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was too hard on the guy. Maybe I was jealous. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things that go into that. Well, let, let me assuage your feelings, though, Nate, because, you know, I think when you do a book or for that matter, when you do a TV show or a radio show or even a podcast like this, it's going to be a summation of how you felt at the time. And I'm and, not so sure it should be taken as anything past what it meant at that time. Well, I don't know that it should be either. But you asked me what I think of it. I wish I had been a little, a little gentler, I think, because I... And good friends with some of the people I was very harsh on. Is there anybody in particular you can name that you wish you hadn't been so harsh on? No. <laughs> Not even Bruno, my buddy Bruno. I just said, Bruno, here's the deal. <laughs> just because you're not doing commentary doesn't mean you jump on everybody else in the industry and say that we're taking steroids when actually we were just playing better than you. See, there you go. That's what makes a good book. I love it. And I loved working on and the that, book. And that's all I said. Now, now I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot. Evaluate my work on the book, because I came in late to do a lot. Oh, my God. You rewrote it. You saved it. Well, th thank you for saying so. Do you remember the meeting? I remember this vividly. It's it probably not uh, vivid in your... The meeting with me, you, Vince, and Hunter. Yes, exactly. You, got, goes, two, you got one month to do it. Yep, I, and they gave, to be fair, I, I they gave me six weeks. Good, okay. And I had to go to two pay-per-views. That was like old times. That was a lot of I fun. Know. I know, we drank but a it, lot. But, <laughs> but, but Vince said to me, he goes, and I don't do a good Vince imitation, but he said, uh, this this book on your friend, uh, what what do you think of it? Uh, uh, are you happy with it? And I go, no, I'm not. It's, not. it's not in his voice. I go, it needs to be put in his voice. That was the most important thing that had to be done. Oh, he wrote it down like I was Freddie Blassie. <laughs> every, well, other, every other word was a cuss word. Well, we got to do another book. What do you think? Let's do it. We could get a good, you know, we could get a better deal this time, you know. I know. Well, let's put the word out. People listening to the podcast, watching on YouTube, get us a book deal. We will, we will not let you down. I promise you that. Absolutely. Now to wrap up, Rick, we got a few tweets and the people, the pe you know, the people love this podcast. I do, you know. get a lot, do you get a lot of feedback? Yeah, but man, we're giving them more than an hour and a half today. Well, I, only a few more minutes. Okay, only that's a few it. more minutes. I got, hey, according to Mark Madden, I got shit to do. No, that you said that. No you, no, you no, you said it about three hours ago. I got shit to do. No, I didn't <laughs> say it in those words. It's just like it. Come on. And by the way, Nate, I don't know if you kept track. Yesterday,
Penguins two, Ottawa nothing. I watch. I watch. I keep watching. I watching. Liverpool Football Club two, Leicester City nothing. It was a big day for for old Double M. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Here's one from Jake, and and this is uh, kind of a, a broad question. But which of the matches with Ricky Steamboat were you personally most proud of? That's a good question because everybody remembers the '89 series. But as you've said on this podcast many times, you guys probably wrestled literally a thousand times. Yes. I, any- I, uh, I, I liked um, I liked Nashville and I liked Chicago, the two best. Even be- like there were, were there any better on the house shows back in the seventies? Oh, in sure, sure, but I can't I can't pinpoint one. Obviously, you see what, what, when, you, what when you when you wrestle a guy so many hours, hours, hours. The hour, I actually think because we had to have a time frame on it, it wasn't an hour long that you got, we got more action. There was no rest holds. We just went at each other as hard as we could. I think that, that that's the, what people can remember the most. When you go an hour, you know, they're fun to do if the guy has, if you have chemistry with the guy, but it can be a lot for the people to watch. Well, I loved Chicago myself where yeah. Steamboat won the title. And the reason being, I thought that match seemed like it was on a knife's edge the whole time. Not that yeah. there were other matches with him weren't, but really the whole time you felt like it could go either way. Yeah. It was almost exactly even. I mean, you know, you you did the heel stuff to gain your edge when you did, but but I, I thought even until the very end, and then the, when you did the fake dusty finish at the end, yeah. Tommy Young came in, that was brilliant too. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. the one I would that, say. That, but, was, oh, that was George Scott. But by the same token, Nate, I can't imagine what it was like in the 70s when you guys would wrestle like six or seven nights in a row, what it was like by the sixth or seventh night. That must have been unbelievable. The feeling in the ring must have been incredible. It was. I mean, we we, we enjoyed working each other, but an hour is a long time. Hence the blade. <laughs> I swear I'm going to blade in the middle of one of these podcasts. I will point. too. Let's show them how we do it. Get double juice. That'll be yeah. tremendous. Uh, here's one from Jim. Uh, did he think Ronnie Garvin was the right opponent to lose to at 87, or should it have been Wyndham? And, and here's my question on top of that. Why would you lose to anybody then? Just to move it around. I, I would have lost it. I think Ronnie was great, but I would have I, I think Barry would have been would have been a better one to lose to. I thought you and Ronnie, the physicality, the chops, hmm. I thought it made that match and the matches you had with him unique. I, yes. I think Barry would have been a better choice and I think Barry was a better performer, but I don't want to give Ronnie short shrift. And I really oh, did I, like I'm that not, series. Not, I love working Ronnie Garvin. Right. You, you asked me, again, I, I just think, I think Barry was at his peak right there in his prime. And I, you know, I can't remember why Barry didn't get it, but um, yeah, I just, it was a, it was a, the hell of a time I love working with Ronnie, but man, it was in there. Trust me. Keith tweets, how long did it take Dusty to realize he needed to roll with the four horsemen's momentum? When did you guys truly know you had something special? Boy, to my recollection, Rick, it clicked right away, didn't it? From day one, the first day Iron said it, yeah. Literally the first day, right? Yes. The next week, people were wearing suits. In Greensboro? No, a TV. Oh, in Atlanta. Yeah. Well, what I remember is the very next week, people were putting up four fingers. Oh, yeah. Already, right away. Yeah. Right away. And it's funny because Arn said to me once, obviously when he said the four horsemen line that uh, 
you know, the last time this amount of mayhem was caused by so few people was the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah. You know, that was kind of a throwaway line, an ad lib by Arn. But but he he said like the four horsemen gesture that that the fans did that before you guys did. Yeah, I guess. That's amazing. Tully said that too, I I want to say. Uh, and Dusty obviously was a great foil for the four horsemen, wasn't he? Yes, yes. What made that work? Chemistry, man. We just we just did it. It was it was phenomenal time in life and right components, right people. Magnet was coming along. Um Nikita was there, the Road Warriors were there. I mean, God, Arn Tully, myself, Barry, Lex Luger, Ole, um, Jake. I mean, we were loaded with talent. Dick Slater, Bobby Orton Jr. I mean, we 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 were locked down. Here's one from the real Mr. Stevie K. Your favorite memories of working with Kurt Hedding and Bobby Heenan during your first run in WWE. I just never had a bad night with him. Fantastic. How did Kurt get involved? Because Bobby quit. (laughs) Well, he didn't quit, but he didn't want to go on the road, correct? And not after one weekend. (laughs) He quit. (laughs) What what happened that weekend? There has to be a story. Oh, there is. He told me on the way home from Phoenix that he wanted to pull. He hoped my hair fell out and grew back red. He said he landed and called Vince on the phone and said, I'm not going on the road. With Larry Flint anymore. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> oh, I, I know what it means. He didn't really say Larry Flint, did he? Yes, he did. He said it all fan speech. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. <laughs> I, I no, I, I do know what it meant, and, and I gotta <laughs> empathize with him. I mean, it's cost me years off my life, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, God bless Bobby for spotting the danger early. <laughs> hey, if you can't have a good time, don't have a time at all. <laughs> and, and, and finally, here's one from Rip the Profile Hawk. That's a name from your past. Could you envision your legendary path without Mid-Atlantic Crockett Promotions in the 70s? Absolutely not. They're as responsible for it as anybody. And, and you went from training in AWA and, 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 and performing there right to Crockett. Did you have any other options then, or was Crockett pretty much it? They, they reached out to me. I was Wahoo, went to George Scott, and they called me, and I said, hell yeah. Well, and that's... It, it's your call. It's your call. Everybody waits for when somebody wants you. And that's the key, too. I, I sometimes see where wrestlers, like, try to go... Well, it's different now with only the, the handful of companies. But, but... Uh, you should go where you're wanted, not where you want to go. Correct. I, exactly. I think some wrestlers have made have some wrestlers made that mistake in the past, trying to kind of shoehorn their way in somewhere. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always better to go to a place where you've been asked to come, and that's that we might take on it. Well, Nate, another successful podcast uh, finished, not without some trepidation, but it was tremendous as usual. You spoke your heart, you spoke your mind. And uh, you did it again. You're still the greatest. One more podcast, Don, and you are still numero uno. Thank you. That is Ric Flair. I'm Mark Madden. We'll be back next week with Woo Nation Uncensored.